I feel like the art community is probably split down the middle uh, as far as how they feel about NFTs for, for various reasons, but I've had nothing but good experience with it. The The actual community itself is, is just so incredible, which I didn't expect. Like, and you can't really tell anybody how incredible it is. You know, they just kind of have to experience it for themselves. Welcome to Airdrop, the show that's going to help you understand what NFTs are, how they work, how to use them, and all that good stuff. I'm Rallyon, and I'm here with my buddy Phosphorus, and by the end of this episode, you might find yourself scrolling through the entire Megakong's collection, looking at these tiny little details that no one even knows about, because today we're talking to Steve Abenanto, the artist from Megakongs, which is Megapont's latest Ethereum NFT collection. Are you calling me out? Because I definitely have not been working and I've been scrolling through these Megakongs looking at all of them. I can neither confirm nor deny that I am calling you out, but yes, I'm calling you out. Uh, you know what I loved about this conversation, Raulion? What? I love that like this whole interview was just so genuine. Yeah. Like Steve is super genuine and it's so much fun to hear an artist talk about his work and you can hear it in his voice how much fun he's having. Right. And the fact that he geeks out about the stuff that he created just as much as we geek out about it as collectors, you know, like he just gets so excited talking about certain one of ones and certain traits that he really likes and all that kind of stuff. Oh my gosh, this episode's great. So today we're going to dive into Steve's history as an illustrator, how the Megacom project got started and how it changed and evolved. And we're also going to talk about some secret Easter eggs that he hid in the Megacom traits. And a whole bunch of other stuff. So make sure you follow Airdrop on Twitter at The Airdrop Show. Make sure you follow along YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, if you're listening to this, please give us five stars. Take a little bit of time, rate and review. It goes a long way. Thank you very much. And if you could share, if you have an illustrator friend, make sure you share this episode with them. We'd really appreciate that. With all that said, let's drop in. All right. Today we have Steve Abinado. Did I get that right? You did. You did. Beautiful. All right. So... <laughs> Steve, we're going to start with a question that we start all of our shows with so far, which is, can you explain what an NFT is in the most simple language possible? Yes, I think that's that's twofold, right, for me. One thing is I'm a collector in the physical world, right? So like I have like pop culture statues and like a like vintage TMNT. These are essentially like digital collectibles to me, right? You know, they can be displayed and appreciated. They grow in value over time, right? Hopefully. So that's one thing. The other thing is like, I think they're kind of, they're kind of like stock in the way that they represent like your belief in a company, right? Or a brand and what they're doing. So instead of like a ticker symbol with a number of shares, right? In your portfolio, it's a PFP on Twitter. So I think they're both investments that, that ultimately say the same thing about how you feel towards a brand. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, there definitely is that feeling of buying into something because you believe in it and you then collect what you like. So you were just prone to this whole space being a collector already. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's probably the most attractive element of it all for me as I've kind of 
dove into this space and got familiar with the community, like I've started to kind of explore the other possibilities, you know, just kind of going from the tip of the iceberg down, so to speak, you know? Yeah, for sure. So I want to get the origin story, the Steve Abenanto origin story. That name is just fun to pronounce. Now that we talked about how to pronounce it. <laughs> it kind of sounds like banana, which, yeah. which makes sense for the whole Kong thing, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I want to get the origin story. Like, how did you become an illustrator? How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, yeah. So I've always known I wanted to pursue something in art in my whole life. A few years ago, I got my master's. So I was going to become an art teacher. I started to realize pretty quickly that that wasn't something that I had a passion for or really wanted to do. And then COVID hit. So all of those teaching jobs that I was looking for went out the window anyway. So I kind of took that as a sign, like, hey, man, why don't you explore something else, you know, like kind of figure out what else is out there. So I started developing a portfolio for visual development in hopes of working for an animation studio. And that's when Mark had stumbled across a illustration I did of a dinosaur uh, monk. He's like meditating and stuff. And he was looking for a project that he wanted to start called uh, Monkasaurus. He was looking for the artist and he had reached out to me. And here we are, you know, I mean, we just hit it off and one thing led to another. Okay. So it was that quick, right? You know, finished up school. You've been doing art stuff your whole life. Art teaching didn't really work out. And you were like, yeah, let me, let me just try illustration. And you stumbled upon Mark. Well, you, no, I mean, I, I definitely condensed the timeline in that story. <laughs> it was like, there was like a year. Okay, okay. Yeah. There was like a year of me, like working on my portfolio, applying to like places and stuff like that, you know, trying to get my chops up as far as like, you know, like redoing it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was like a year of developing that portfolio. And then Mark had reached out to me kind of later on in that whole process. Okay, so obviously you didn't work on Monkasaurs. You, you started that relationship with Mark. What happened next? Yeah, so as you're aware, like in the community, things like tend to be very fluid, right? Like the community kind of determines a lot of the direction, which is super awesome. So when he was talking to me about Monkasaurs, we had got the ball rolling a little bit, but then Megapont took off. So once that took off, we kind of shifted gears and pivoted a little bit. So Mark had sent me a pixel gorilla that Weasley had did. And it was the one that ended up being a one of one in the collection, the banana Kong, the one that has the banana on his head and like the snot coming out of his nose. So he was like, Hey man, do you think you could make a version of this in your style? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So he sent that out to kind of gauge the reaction. And it was, it was pretty overwhelmingly positive. So. He was like, all right, so let's make this a small collection of a hundred gongs and we'll do that to kind of wet our, wet our beak, so to speak in ETH. Right. And we'll see if we could bring the Megapon brand over to that, that chain. I was like, all right, let's do it. And then kind of, I was, I don't know. I think it was like two months in, I had made 84 of them. Right. He emails me and he's like, Hey, so I think people want to see more of these. So how would you feel about making this a generative? And I was like, all right, I mean, I'll definitely, definitely do that. But I had never done a generative. So I was a little apprehensive, right? I was like, how do I figure this out? And then I kind of just had to start learning on the fly how to make the generative. Okay. So you started with doing the one of ones. Is there a certain one of one that you are particularly fond over or that you were like, oh, this is one that you like worked hard on or had a good idea for? 
Oh, yeah. There are a lot that definitely, like, strike my fancy, so to speak, right? I like The Mummy a lot. I don't know if you guys know that one offhand. Yeah. But yeah. I just love the way his expression came out. And he's so funky looking and, like, nasty. I'm a big fan of the 80s. So I love the, the hair metal Kong with the pink background and the wild hair. <laughs> and so he's pretty cool. Also, the the Witch Doctor is probably one of my absolute favorites. I just mm. love that whole vibe that, that he's got going on. My sister lived in New Orleans for a while, so I went and visited her a bunch of times, and I just love that town. Definitely those. Okay, so let's talk about the generative. What were the kind of the steps you had to do for generative collection? Yeah, so it was kind of weird going from making a bunch of one-of-ones and then kind of figuring out, A, how do I make this work as a generative? So I, I took a bunch of the Kongs and some of them look different than the others. So what I did was kind of gathered them all up in a document and I was like looking at them all together. And I was like, which one of these Kongs or what group of these Kongs kind of like represent the whole collection? So I picked out four kind of like distinct Kongs and those act as like bases, if you will, in the collection. And then I started to chop those up and figure out how I can like dissect the traits and the features in a clean way that they could be swappable, like a Mr. Potato Head, you know? And that probably took the most time and it was kind of stressful for me because I'm like, you know, I'm not really putting any pencil to paper as far as getting any new traits out there, but it was like a, a situation where it had to be done because if you skimp out on that in the beginning, then you're going to be going back and forth towards the end. And it's just not going to be efficient, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the hardest part about doing this project? Like what got you excited about doing this in the first place, but also what was something you didn't really expect that was difficult about doing illustration in this whole new way? Something that I didn't really expect that was difficult was probably not until the very end, like chopping them up was a challenge, but like, I didn't run into many snags during that. There was a thing where, like, I actually had to figure out, like, I changed, originally it wasn't going to, there wasn't going to be an eyebrow trait, but then as I was going on in the process, I realized, okay, I have to separate the eyebrows from the eyes just because of how the character looks and the layering, like, he's got a pretty big brow. So yeah. that had to be a separate trait, which actually ended up working out pretty cool because then you can get, like, cool combinations of eyes that go with eyebrows without having to make like a bunch of different ones. But I think the biggest challenge wasn't till the very end when Mark and I were running tests of the entire collection, right? So we ran, I don't know, like I think it was 15 or 16 test runs, right? Of thousands and thousands of Kongs just to make sure that all the layering worked correctly. And when you sit there and you're going through thousands of Kongs one by one, like you start to see all these issues that pop up and then you have to write some rules, figure out how can we solve this? I have to send that back over to Mark. He has to implement that, run it again, upload everything again. And then the whole process starts all over again. We did that about, I don't know, 15 or 16 times. So figuring that out because after a while, rules start to kind of like conflict with each other if you're not careful. So there's a lot of thinking that goes into it that I definitely wasn't expecting. Okay, so let's dive into the traits. Do you have yeah. Do you have some favorites? Which one was the first one right off the bat that Mark was like, this is the one we need? I don't know if he said right off the bat, this is the one we need. There were a few Megapont traits that he wanted in there, like the, right. uh, the World Visor, you know, and things like that. I think the, yeah, the Gold Leaf Crown. Yeah, some stuff like that that he just wanted to see just for 
to like kind of bring over some of the Megapunk brand. But some of my favorites, man, I love the punk jacket. Oh, yeah. I know my Kong has that on because it's got a couple nods to like Megapon and also the weirdos in there, which kind of have helped build the Megapon brand. And I just love the way it turned out. You know, it kind of vibes with my personality a little bit, too. So I definitely like the punk jacket. I know, Phosphorus, you got the Tiki mask, which I really love. Yeah. I think that came out pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So that one. I got the punk jacket. Oh, you do? Yeah. He's uh, He's got a punk jacket and he's got the Robin Hood hat on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you have that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm very, very stoked on on that combination for a plethora of poetic reasons. Taken from the rich, given to the poor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like really pumped about it. I think I saw your tweet about that. That is awesome, man. Very cool. Um, Yeah, there's a bunch. I kind of like, as far as hedge accessories go, I like the brain treat where you can kind of see his brain working in there. I think that's pretty cool if you get like the right combination of traits with it. But yeah, I just tried to make, you know, a bunch of fun things, some wacky stuff, you know, hopefully people like them. Yeah. I mean, speaking of wacky stuff, it seems like you had a bit of a hiccup with the dookie heads, right? (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to hear from you what happened with the dookie heads, man, because that's been a an, a whole ordeal, right? Hopefully not too big a deal, but I totally get it and I totally understand. And I think what we're doing is the right move because it was just kind of like a throwaway kind of like fun thing because obviously monkeys and poop, there's like that whole connection of them like throwing their own <laughs> yeah. poop or whatever. So I, I threw it in there, but like, yeah, no, it, it definitely is something that could have been hit or miss in the discord i was looking around like a lot of people didn't really care at all but yeah like i totally get why we have to change it and i think i think it's i think what we're doing uh replacing it with is going to be a cool trade anyway it's like a like a rusty kind of broken crown i think we're going to call it false king for now but yeah a lot of a lot of sites i think we're flagging it as not safe for work which wow that's if that's what's happening that's what's happening just gotta roll with the punches you know the main thing is i just want people to be happy with their cons and if people aren't happy then yeah you know i owe it to them to to fix that for sure yeah that's such a silly problem to have (laughs) the poop heads didn't work out (laughs) you know what there that's what i was thinking too because i was a little stressed about it first like oh no what did i do like i hope people aren't upset with this you know um but then i was like at the end of the day, it's cartoon poop. And, you know, literally <laughs> I started polishing a turd, right? That's that's what I was doing for like the last couple of days to try and fix it. There, there are worse problems that could be had. I think the funny part about all that is that the Dookie trait was actually being picked up rather frequently by the people in the Megapod community. Yeah, people were into it. They were just they were just scooping them up. They loved it. Right. And then, and then we had to change it. And that's okay. It's just I thought it was it was really funny. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it would be a nice little fun trait to have in there. But, you know, there's always things that you can't predict and how things are going to shake out. So, you know, you just go with it. I was talking to somebody about this, and it's funny because we were talking about the the generative process and how it's like all of these traits are all mixed up and then shuffled together and random. But it's crazy how you look at some of the Kongs and it looks like they are one of ones. Like they were designed like that with the way the colors hit the way the contrast happens and you look at others and you're like, oh, that looks completely random. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of the generative process, right? I always say like the, the generative process giveth and it taketh away. Yeah. You know, so there are some in there, like there's one where it's divine background and then he's got a kimono on with the chanmaj hair and it's like a white ape too. And he's, like he's got a scowl on his face. Like it's like the perfect 
like Bushido Kong. And I was like, damn, this is so cool that a generative spit this out, you know? And then there's one where I think, uh, that green spot has it. I just tweeted it out. It's like the perfect, like raver Kong. He's got the laser background and the fishnet with the glow stick. And then he's got the supervisor eyes and like, it just worked out so, so, oh, and he's even got the rare, uh, rainbow stripe, which was sweet. So it's just so cool to see. It is so cool to see how some of the things can just line up the way they do with either the, the stripe on the Kong matching the background mm-hmm. or it's just all these different things that all work together with all yellow ones or all blue ones. There's one green one. It's like it's a green Kong, green background and the green hoodie. Yeah, he's hulked out. It's like super red. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that was really cool. I'm love that, that the shuffle spit that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there were and there were no like forced combinations or anything like that. It's it's six thousand completely randomly generated tongs, which is just sweet to see. And some of them are like like you said, okay, yeah, this is obviously just a mishmash of, of traits and stuff. But like, you'd be surprised about how many times that works, and like how many times it like spits out combinations that I would have never thought of. Yeah, that's incredible. I want to talk about. How have you, how's the reception been on your side? You're an artist, right? I know it's vulnerable to make art and put it out in the world, but now you have all of these people looking at it, judging it, going through it, picking it apart. What are your feelings towards what's been happening? How have you been received? Yeah, yeah. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, I think that's the biggest obstacle is to get over that, that mental hang up of just putting your art out there and just like being vulnerable. But I gotta say, man, the, the support from the community has been nothing short of incredible from the get-go. You know, there are days, like, I'm my own worst critic, so there are days where I'm, like, staring at these things, you know, 10, sometimes even 12 hours a day, and I'm like, oh, man, is this good enough? But then, like, you know, I'll take a break, and I'll hop on Twitter, and then you just see, like, a flood of messages of people just so hyped of, about the artwork and, and where the project is going, and... Then I'm like, all right, I got this. So yeah, the community kind of like pulled me along in a lot of ways during this whole thing and gave me the confidence to kind of put my art out there. That's awesome. I'm obviously a big fan. I've spent a good day and a half of work lost scrolling through these Kongs. Oh yeah. Looking at all the different variations and the different combinations put together. And some of them all look absolutely incredible. Can you kind of talk about the laser eyes? What's going on with the laser eyes? They're going two different directions. Is there a reason you did that or is there a... <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the laser pens. Yeah, I think that for me, that was just kind of like a wacky take on, on laser eyes, right? Because there's a there's a, a one of one, the cyborg who has like legit laser eyes. So he's got those. But then for the generative, I was like, how can we put laser eyes in here without putting laser eyes in here because every collection has laser eyes. So how can we just do like a, a kind of funny take on that? And I landed on laser pens, which those like, like little keychains that everybody had as a kid, right? And just yeah. Kind of shine it in somebody's eye that doesn't want it shined in their eye and like all that stuff. But yeah, so they're like going two different directions and like just to kind of suit the whole wackiness and like piss take of it all. Like, you know, this is not supposed to be a serious like powerful laser eyes trait it's just kind of supposed to be a funny nod to like the space and like other projects that have done that so yeah but yeah the, actually the the two different directions posed a bit of an issue because it's funny in the sense that he he just duct taped a bunch of laser pens through his eyes and they're just like going all willy-nilly but 
that when I was going through the rules and all the generative like uh, samples, there were a few times where that would like overlap where it shouldn't or like get clipped out. So yeah, it's kind of a pain. I'm noticing as I'm scrolling through these, there's some like little hidden Easter eggs, like on the prison outfit, the number is 4-11-22, which I'm pretty sure- Yeah, man. Good eye. Good eye. Was the date that this was released. Is there any other little Easter eggs in there that uh, you want to kind of point out that we're not seeing right away? There are. There are. I don't want to maybe give away too much because I would love, like, I just, I'm such a huge fan of Easter eggs in general, like when movies do it. When they have nods to things, I, I think that's so cool. So I put a bunch in there, though. I have some more number-related ones. In the puke trait, there is a nod to one of my favorite movies ever. I think one of the one of the best movies of all time. Because he's, like, puking up a bunch of different things, right? And one of the things is, like, a clear nod to one of those movies. So I'll leave that up to the community to kind of look around for that. Oh, boy. But, yeah, there's there's a bunch in there. I'm trying really hard to not open up a new tab and just look for stuff (laughs) in the gongs right now as we're recording the interview. I can't. Yeah, man, I did it last night. I was looking through them all. I was like hyped for this interview. So I was just kind of looking through them and stuff. And yeah, you can get lost looking in the beauty of the generative process for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of draw you in. Yeah. As an illustrator, you know, you've just done this incredible project and you know congratulations it's really it's really awesome thank you thank you appreciate it. what advice would you give to any illustrators out there maybe like either people who are just getting started who like want to start a career as an illustrator or even the seasoned people who have been doing this for a while that are looking to get into nfts what advice would you give them something maybe that you wish you had heard before you got into this whole thing yeah so i think I don't know. I feel like the art community is probably split down the middle uh, as far as how they feel about NFTs for, for various reasons, but I've had nothing but good experience with it. I would say to anybody thinking about getting into the space that has uh, that's a little apprehensive, like just go for it. It's a great way for an artist to get paid well for their work, which is like a huge issue in the art community now. But the the actual community itself is is just so incredible which i didn't expect like and you can't really tell anybody how incredible it is you know they just kind of have to experience it for themselves but for anybody that's that's trying to get into it oh i would say just be be ready to be flexible be ready to be fluid and kind of move with the space because like i alluded to earlier like things do tend to change quite a bit from start to finish so just be ready for that have as much fun as you can with it, you know? Yeah, I feel like there is certain experiences that people go through in the NFT world. And as much as like I can get hyped on certain things, like this is dropping, this is happening, it's moving this way, mm-hmm. it's doing this. And you talk to people in the in the outside world <laughs> in real life and they just kind of like roll their eyes at you. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, no, you, you have to experience this in a, in a weird sort of way. And I think you hit on that for artists. I know as a, I used to, you know, do public performances as a kid, right? Like musical theater. And that, that applause of the audience is addictive. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that you're almost kind of alluding to that with when you put the art out, like now you have all of these people clamoring, paying lots of money to get certain things that you have, certain traits and different that and how it works. And 
you're probably feeling that now, that that applause. And I mean, it could be kind of addicting. So, and I understand that you want to talk to your illustrator friends like, no, you should try this. And they could probably just roll their eyes at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, totally. And and there's that whole there's that whole aspect of like I think I feel like a lot of artists kind of seek that validation in a way. And like, you know, when when you have a lot of people putting so much so much stock into like your work and like believing in it, hyping it up on Twitter, you know, that that means a lot to an artist, you know. It just it's the reason why I go so hard at this project, you know, and it's the reason why like I don't mind sitting here for as long as I need to, to make sure everybody is as happy as they possibly can be with it. You know, it's just been nothing short of amazing. So is there any uh, next steps that you're moving in in this project or do you you eyeing something in the future? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the next step is uh, we're going to do baby Kongs, right? Uh, On stacks, I think for everybody who owns a Kong as a little, uh, a little companion which is going to be cool. So that's going to be fun. I'm working on uh, chopping up the baby Kong right now. That sounds terrible, but you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, so I'm working on that right now and uh, yeah, we're going to get that going. So that'll be really cool. And I think Mark's working on a mechanic where, and don't quote me on this, but like a mechanic where you'll be able to kind of insert your baby Kong into your real Kong. So they'll be together in the same picture, which is like a little family photo. So that'll be cool. Oh, man. Are these like baby versions of the existing Kongs or are they a whole other generative? Yeah. So you'll get a baby version of your Kong with like babyfied versions of of the traits that, that is on there. I So if you have a puking Kong, you'll have a puking family of Kongs? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I didn't really think about that, but that's that's great. Maybe the puke will have some different things in it because it'd be weird if he was puking up the same exact <laughs> things in the same exact position, right? <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Man, I am already obsessed with the baby Kong that doesn't even exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm already here for it. There's actually, there's a one of one that has a baby Kong in it. Um, right. Yeah. And I think Mark had tweeted out a thread the other day with, with that baby Kong in it. So, yeah. And then there was like a, uh, he did like a little, little preview of what a gold one might look like, but that might change a little bit uh, just as far as like polishing it up and things like that. But yeah, we're, we are well on our way with the baby Kongs as far as designing it. I know when we first interviewed Mark, um, on this show, he had his PFP as a Kong. And so I know that you guys have been uh, slowly dripping out what these could look like over time. And I think that that's really helped like, build up buzz to showcase what this is. So, I mean, if you're an artist, I do think showing your work slowly over time really does build that buzz up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, um, there's, there's a hump that a lot of artists have to get over, which is like showing uh, work in progresses, right? Which a lot of the Kongs that were tweeted out, especially in the beginning where, where early works in progress, like not too polished and stuff. So I would always say like, Hey, Mark, just, just please tag this as a work in progress. Just so people aren't too harsh about it or whatever. But you know, once you, uh, once you get over that, yeah, it's all good. And, um, yeah, like I said, people were just hyped from the beginning. So it was just, it was easy to kind of, uh, get over that hump and not even that, but like the, the criticisms too are just amazing. Like in, in ape village. Like, you know, people have like really, really great looks and stuff. And they're all like, just, they're super constructive. Like nobody is negative about it. 
they're all valid criticisms and I've implemented like a bunch of those. So it's just, it's so great to see everybody participating and like looking at these with a critical eye. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that thing about posting works in progress. I'm an artist. I'm starting to make, you know, one of one NFT stuff and nice man. Phosphorus keeps telling me every day, it's like, you got to get over it. You got to post the works in progress. You got to, And I'm like, ah, it's so like counterintuitive. Yes. I want everyone to like me. So I want to post only the good stuff, you know? Totally, man. Totally. I'm with you. Oh, gosh. All right. Steve, is there anything else that you want to like kind of go over? Any traits you want to specifically talk about or anything else you want to kind of hit on? Yeah. Anything about the project at all, you know? No, I mean, not really. I just would like to, again, extend my, my gratitude to the community, to you guys, for everybody who's who's been supporting it. It's just been such a wild ride. And um, I feel like we're not even close to over, which is which is awesome. I'm excited for where Mega Kongs and the Mega Pump brand go from here. And I hope you guys are, too. Oh, we're so pumped. <laughs> oh, we're we are completely aped into Kongs. I mean, we are supposed to be unbiased as, you know, quasi journalists, but nope, we love Kongs. We love them. We're <laughs> We're about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I speak for everybody on the team when I say we appreciate it greatly. Awesome. Well, uh where can people find you, uh more of your art and where can people find Mega Kongs? Yeah, so uh, you can find Mega Kongs obviously on OpenSea or megapont.com for newsletters. Uh, Mega Kongs will be the branch site that's linked on Megapont. For my stuff, you can just follow me on Twitter, which uh, many people do uh, that are in the community already, which is awesome. And then on Instagram is Steve underscore ad. That's just like a lot of my uh, personal work. There's some Mega Kong stuff on there too. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thank you guys. This was so much fun. Thanks so much for listening to Airdrop. If you want to know more about Steve and Megacongs and Megapont, we put all the links that you're going to need in the description so you can find all that stuff right down there. Make sure you follow Airdrop on Twitter at The Airdrop Show. Please rate, review this podcast. Take a little bit of time and do that. It really helps the show get found. And we're going to help so many other people onboard themselves onto NFTs so they know how awesome this is. And also, this is not financial advice. Buy NFTs at your own risk with money you have. Don't spend money you don't have on NFTs. Just saying that again for all the people out there. And remember, no one can keep the reins on Kong. <laughs>